It's really footy time with Daniel Andrews. And as always, I'm joined on the other line by Johnny Raff. How are we doing, Johnny? Not bad, Dan. It's really footy time and I'm ready to go. <laughs> ready for another big week. So there's only, uh, what, eight rounds to go now. So I guess the countdown to finals probably doesn't really start until, what, the last sort of four or six weeks. But yeah, I guess teams sort of know what they need to do now to you know stay in contention or make the top four maybe. There's a lot of teams in contention for the top four, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, it certainly is. And yeah, lots of twists and turns to go. So with what, I think there's is there three or four teams on 40 points. How many wins do you reckon you might need to make the top four? Do you reckon 15 wins would do it? I think... Or you might even need 16. I think 15... It's funny, in, in the past you would have thought 15 would bank it, but um, yeah, it's... It's a pretty competitive one, this one. So I'd probably say 16 to be safe, yeah. Um, 15 with a good percentage, I reckon, will do it. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, if, you've got a, if you've got a good percentage, 15 will probably be enough. But otherwise, well, like all the teams in the top four have pretty good percentages, but a higher percentage. Yeah. <laughs> I think the Bulldogs have a huge percentage. I think this is the best, yes. And uh, yeah. yeah, it's going to be tough if you don't have it. All right, so 15 or 16 wins, I'd somewhere say, around there. I'd say so. All right, so what's your doomsday for the weekend's action? Um, well, I think it, this was actually tough, but it's got to be Richmond losing to the Suns. Uh, yeah, I, I think that this could... I don't know why. I definitely think this is a banana peel game. So, yeah. Suns have been, been putrid. They like, have, what makes you think they can actually I don't conjure really up have something, anything yeah. to go on here other than the fact that it's at <laughs> Metricon. But yeah. I just... I just know that stranger things happen in this game. So that is the doomsday scenario. Yeah, okay. That that would be an absolute turn up. If they don't win that one, then I think people will be calling an end to the dynasty. Yes. yes, yes <laughs> so yes. We'll, we'll see what happens, eh? Yes, we will see. So for mine, most at stake is uh, Fremantle. So they're taking on Carlton over in WA. And they're actually equal on points with Richmond now on seven wins, 28 points. So to keep in touch with that top eight, particularly because they've got a very poor percentage, they need to be winning games such as this. And I know Carlton had a decent win on the weekend against the Crows, but I still think they're a very beatable team. So, uh, yeah, I'd be expecting Freo to get the job done or at least uh, be pushing really hard. And uh, you might remember, Johnny, last year... Frio looked like they had this game won and then a free kick in the last sort of 10 seconds. Um, and then I think it was Nunes yep. having a shot from right on the boundary and wasting no time at all, went back and slotted it. And uh, yeah, that was the win for Carlton there. It was a great after the siren shot. Um, and yeah, yeah, hard to forget. But um, yeah, this that's a really interesting game, that one, actually. Ken Carlton would you be favourite? Um, who would I favour? I'd definitely favour the Dockers. But, um, yeah, Carlton, look, good win over Adelaide. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> it, it seems to be the case with Carlton. That, you know, they'll lose a few. They'll get to the pits of despair. The media's on them. And then they'll get this win over a team that they should probably beat anyway at home. And then it's like, oh, this is amazing and all that stuff. <laughs> um, 
I'd really like to see them go over there and show that they mean business. Yeah, it could be quite a good game, I think. So uh be interesting to see what happens there. Yep. All right, let's get into the true or falses for this episode. So the first one here is uh, with so many winnable games to come, Port Adelaide are genuine premiership contenders. True or false? Yeah, look, I think with this one, uh, it was a it was a great win over Sydney, but I, I just I want to see them pass one more test before thinking that they might be contenders. Um, you know, and that that could be it could be a win on the road against a decent opposition, or it could be just a team above them. But I'd like to see it happen. Uh, I don't right now. I do think there's a gap between them and the top four above them. Yeah, I think you're right. I would probably say false at the moment as well. They do have a few more opportunities to prove themselves against uh, sort of that top four, which they're a part of now yep. after the win on the weekend. But yeah, it could be the something like you know them finishing fourth, and perhaps if they don't really get their act together. It'll be a huge advantage to be playing them in the first week of the finals compared to the the third ranked team. So yeah, that could that could be a big advantage for finishing first rather than second. Port Adelaide supporters will probably hate me saying that, yeah. but <laughs> no, I just like yeah. to see them. I just like to see them pass another test before thinking that 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 they can go all the way. Yeah, yeah, and I think the win against Sydney was obviously a step in the right direction, but uh, still a little bit to prove there. They still look a little, little bit shaky down back. Um, and one thing that really sort of had the heart in mouth for me was seeing, I can't remember who went down. It wasn't Lysett, was it? or no, But uh, Charlie Dixon ended up going into the ruck in the centre bounce. And I just thought that was really crazy. <laughs> like, you know, he's one of the marquee players and, you know, Getting throwing him in there to get sort of bashed. Oh around. yeah, yeah. After he sort of yeah, I just, sort of had a little bit of a tweak of something, and then they put him in the ruck after that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if if he goes down, that's it as far as I'm concerned for Port. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, not dangerous. the smartest thing. All right, next one. The booing in the Essendon Melbourne game was over the top. True or false? So this was a very pro Essendon crowd. Their home game restriction on the tickets so there was very few Melbourne supporters there it was actually quite eerie sitting in the MCC members with so few Melbourne supporters normally it's packed in the MCC even in an away game with Melbourne supporters Mm. but definitely not the case and I guess the Essendon supporters felt that they were getting a bit of a tough run with the umpires I didn't feel it was too bad there was very few free free kicks paid on the night probably a few iffy ones but uh, yeah the booing was it over the top Johnny true or false um, well, this is like I actually wasn't able to make this one. Um, this is the first MCG game I've missed in probably two years or so. <laughs> um, oh wow, That's a good yeah, record. <laughs> reasonable record. Um, but yeah, so, so I wasn't really sure watching. I watched on TV, you know, wasn't really sure what was going on. I, I thought that maybe it was one of those things where they were pointing the mics to the cheer squad and turning them up and all that. I, I just it seemed quite artificial. Um, but I asked a few people, and I think you told me as well that um, that it actually was pretty loud. Like it was deafening, um, and it was strange because you'd see some of the fans in the crowd, and I'm not having a go at Essendon or Essendon fans here, but 
every shot they showed, it looked like there was just a bunch of paid actors or paid extras, you know. <laughs> like, they were just, it looked like they were making facial expressions that, you know, you do when you're, like, I've actually been an extra before and you, you do sort of play that stuff up a bit. And <laughs> it was just, it was so strange. Um, the, the umpiring, look, early on it might have been a bit lopsided, the free kick count, but um, I don't think it was that, I think it was like maybe eight to four or something, eight to three. I mean, bad umpiring isn't, a lopsided free kick count, but that's just my opinion. Um, there were a couple of frees that went our way. We probably had the rubber the green. Um, that Jordan one right at the end of the second quarter, I wasn't quite sure about. Yeah, I wasn't sure about that one either, but seeing it on replay, like from the umpire's view, it was a direct line of sight with him getting a bit of head contact. So I can definitely see why they paid that. Did they pay it for the arm chop or the head contact? I think it was more for the head contact. Okay, yeah. Because at first, I think they were suggesting it was for the arm chop, and I was looking for the arm chop, and I'm like, no, that doesn't seem right. Yeah, there wasn't really uh, So much it might have been for that, okay. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, look, there was booing for everything on the TV, and uh, it was just every free kick. That Even the Bronx cheer came out when they finally got a free kick that made the ledger like 8-5 to five or something. And um, Yeah. There was, yeah. Uh, someone said at one point... Um, Someone I know said, oh, geez, why the hell? I can't believe they're booing Michael Hibbard, you know, after all he did for them. I'm like, are they booing Michael Hibbard? Mate, there's so much booing right now, I can't even tell. I couldn't even notice that. Like, like, <laughs> you can't actually tell, It was just tell, general yeah. booing. I couldn't tell that they were <laughs> booing him in particular. Like, uh, it, was, it was really, it was over the top. I mean, I don't mind booing at all, but this was to the point where they were like almost um, – I think they were booing more than they were cheering for their for their own team. Yeah, like it's not uncommon for a supporter group to you know start booing a bit for you know five maybe even like ten minute period on and off when they feel like they haven't got uh, you know the run of the green from the umpires. But that's usually all it is, and after that, you know, the game goes on, and you know you just go back into the rhythm of it. But it did seem a bit different in this game. That it was just this building up of. Essendon getting more Essendon supporters getting more and more frustrated and yeah electing to boo which is their right of course but uh, maybe just a little bit over the top yeah and it can sort of be taken the wrong way too for for your own team I thought they played an amazing you know they had a, had a real good effort on the night and as soon as the siren went you could hear the booing fair enough they're booing the fact they lost or whatever um but that booing sort of carried on until the Essendon players were walking off, and I'm kind of thinking, this doesn't, this could be taken a different way. Yeah, you know, <laughs> that you're booing your yeah. players. You should be sort of getting around them and saying, "That's fantastic. We want to see that every week." And if we keep doing that every week, we're going to go places. Yeah, I was pretty impressed with Essendon. Really, like they uh, put too. a lot of pressure on. They didn't make anything easy for Melbourne, and that's a, a huge difference to the round 23 game they played mm. last year where Essendon resembled witches hats at times. Oh. So they're, de- they're definitely heading in the right direction. Yeah, that was an awful game. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, they are very impressive and they're only going to get better. All right, so we're 15 rounds in now. It's been a little while since uh, the stand rule came in and uh, I guess players and coaches have definitely adjusted to it. But the Statement we've got here is the stand rule is still doing its job. True or false? Um, look, I think it's definitely still doing its job. The 
the best part about the stand rule is that it we've said this a, a number of times is that it does open up the game a bit it allows a player to go back on the mark and just give that quick handball off to a player running and the ball's in motion you're getting run and carry the stuff that people like to see it's definitely opened the game up more um there's less congestion less unnecessary stoppages the only thing that i think the the ugly side of it that's showing up i think is it's really tough for the players who are manning the mark and that there's a lot of players that aren't doing much wrong and getting pinged for 50 meter penalties and um i can't remember who that who was it It wasn't laverd or was it no i think it was perkins archie Archie Perkins. perkins that's right um I didn't think he. I mean, to the letter of the law, he probably did the wrong thing, but it, it's it was just tough. I mean, and it's very hard for the umpires. It's really tough for the umpires to be watching the ball carrier and the man on the mark, and yeah. when the play on happens and all that, they've only got. So, so what is the Essendon player meant to do there? So, just for a little bit of context, so the Melbourne player had marked it on the members' wing, probably five meters in from the boundary line, and Perkins kind of went on the inside yeah. between the boundary line and the player trying to get to the mark. And by the letter of the law, he probably did go into that, you know, restricted area space. Not that the player, Melbourne player, would ever go that way because it's, uh, you know, going out of bounds, yeah. so it would make no sense. But what is the Essendon player meant to do there? I'm, I'm actually not sure, and I'm going to eventually read the letter of the law myself, but it felt like maybe he's meant to go back behind the ball carrier to the inside or the, the you know the to the middle side of the ground or whatever and then man the mark like as if it's like a gate or something i, I don't know it's I, I the only thing yeah. i could think of is like you meant to like run out of bounds to run like more of an arc if you wanted to go that way i don't know it was a really oh, weird one yeah that's even more yeah, <laughs> that, that's another kettle of fish filter yeah yeah, um, but I don't know. I actually, I've never understood the protected zone or the whatever. I don't never understood what they actually are. So, um, yeah, because well, maybe this may, just me saying that makes me think it actually wasn't a stand free kick. It was probably actually a protected zone free kick. Maybe Cause yeah, because he wasn't was actually it. he wasn't actually even on the mark before the free kick got paid. Yeah, so it's not so, like an infringement that yes. happened off the mark. Yeah. No, no, no. So it's slightly different. I guess they do. We do kind of lump them together now. The, um, you know, protected area and standing the mark. It's they're kind of almost together now. And I wasn't even sure until about six weeks in if the prote- if the stand rule had dumped the protected zone rule. Like I wasn't even sure. There's just it's just <laughs> so much confusion with that now. Yeah, but I do agree that you know it's still serving its purpose. There are less high scoring games now, but it still makes it easier to actually take on that attacking option if the player wants to and if, you know, the opposition is allowing that space on the inside, there's still more chance and it's an easier kick for the player who's marked the ball. So I think it would be silly to remove it now and the players have adjusted. Yeah, there might be a free kick every now and then, but there's really not too many of them being paid. That's my opinion anyway. Um, Yeah, look, I totally agree. They've got to stick with it. It's done a good job. But um, I think as they do with all new rules, they've just got to look at it at the end of the year, see how they can maybe make it easier for the umpires to adjudicate because I just think it's it's tough. To be, you've only got one set of eyes looking at the player, looking at the man on the mark. That Maybe if there's a tweak they can do just to make that a little bit easier to adjudicate. But um, yeah. apart yeah. from that, it's a good rule. All right. 
Brisbane must finish in the top two to be in a legitimate flag chance. True or false? Uh, to be a legitimate flag chance, I think they, I think they do. Yes, um, because you're either going to face the Bulldogs down, possibly at Marvel. I'm, I'm not sure if that would be the would that be the case. Probably, probably not. Probably not. Probably be at the MCG. Uh, but <laughs> it will probably be at the MCG. Uh, but even then, there's a bit of travel there and. Look, yeah, I just I would want to play the Bulldogs in the first week. Although, yeah, it's possible. If you're not playing them, you're going to play Melbourne, who are playing the G probably better than anyone right now. Um, and, you know, then there's Geelong in there. Uh, the way COVID's going, who knows? Maybe they'll maybe they'll sneak a, a final down at the, the GMHBA. I don't, don't know. If not, same deal. I wouldn't want to play, if I were Brisbane, I wouldn't want to take that trip in the first week. I think that their best chance of a flag comes from finishing top two. Yeah. They play the Gabba really well. So it gives them a huge advantage playing games there. So I think, yeah, finishing top two would give them the best chance. So if, if they did finish third or fourth, obviously they'd still be in there with a chance, but it's a big ask to come to Melbourne and beat, one of these established teams, as you were referencing, either the Bulldogs, Melbourne, or Geelong in that first week. So, and if they do drop that game, it's going to definitely be an uphill battle yeah. from there. No, it'll be a massive so, ask this year. Yeah. So top two, they're still they've got a really good draw actually. So yes, it's definitely on the cards for them to finish top two if they can hold their form. Definitely, um, but that is their best chance, I'd say. All right, last one for today. And we're going back in time a little bit. The 2000 Bombers don't get the credit they deserve as they only won one premiership between 1999 and 2001. True or false? So I guess there's a few layers here. Often this team is talked about as one of the best teams, but then, you know, also in the same breath as some people might say that, they might also be overlooking this Essendon team because... They're not a dynasty team. They're not a Hawthorne, a Richmond, or a uh, Brisbane Lions because they only won the one flag. So, uh, yeah, do they get the credit they deserve to hear the Bombers for this all-conquering 2000 Premiership side? Yeah, I I don't think they do quite get that credit. Um, people remember it, definitely. But um, they they that year was incredible they, they were I'm pretty sure they were the highest scoring premiership team of all time uh, I, they were at the time they may still be they may still be um, probably with the way the scoring's gone <laughs> yeah yeah de- definitely but um, I think it definitely got a bit overshadowed by what came after it with Brisbane and then what came after that with Geelong Hawthorne and now Richmond um, and before that uh, there was the North teams it it doesn't get forgotten about, but I think that it definitely would be talked about a lot more if they won at least another flag in that period. Uh, but you look at this this side is it's incredible. I mean, uh, that backline was absolutely solid as a rock. You know, you got Dustin Fletcher, Dean Wallace, 
you got Damien Hardwick and Dean Solomon. It's easy to forget that. Those two were just in forces. And um, Mark Johnson as well, another one. Um, then midfield, really good ball users. You know, um, Chris Heffernan was in really good form at, in around that time. Blake Carousello, fantastic kick. Then forward line is just to die for, really. I mean, you got Scott Lucas, Matthew Lloyd, Mark McCurie. I think people forget just how silky Mark McCurie was. Uh, and James Hurd, who would go down there, obviously, and, and kick some goals. And then they had players in the reserves, I think, back then that were just that could have made a team. I reckon it was just, yeah, it it was the perfect team. It really was. The only thing that maybe yeah, stopped gave- it from being perfect was having a, a brilliant ruckman. But John Barnes yeah, did they- a good job. <laughs> yeah, Barnes did a good job, but yeah, maybe not the level of some of the other guys at the time. But, yeah, they gave Melbourne uh, hiding in that grand final, of course, in 2000, very physical in that game. And I guess that was another one of their hallmarks. They were a very very physical team. Yes. They did have a lot of skillful players, but they could also dish it out when they needed to. Very suffocating team, really. So I guess, like, does a team need, you know, at least two premierships within some sort of, you know, three-year to five-year window to actually be remembered as, you know, one of the absolute, you know, great teams is one enough. It's really, it's tough to, it's tough to not win a second one and be up, sorry, I'm not saying this the right way. It's tough to make a case for a team that only wins one. To be yeah, to be one of the very best. I mean, Essendon, you can sort of make an exception for, but I think those of us that were around this other period with Port Adelaide, we know that Port Adelaide were a great side, but I don't know if younger people realise just how good they were when they look back in history. And um, how about um, how about those Collingwood sides from the late uh, the late two thousands, early two thousand tens? I mean, they really should have won two in a row. Um, yeah, that was a very good side. but And that, look, people still remember that they were good, but they don't remember them for being great or anything like that. Yeah, I tend to agree. I think to be remembered as something more than just a really good side, you probably do need at least two premierships to sort of stand out because, you know, there's a fair bit of flux in the AFL, maybe not so much the last decade, but the two that were before that, there were plenty of different teams winning premierships. So, um yeah, to sort of establish yourself as one of those really great teams, I do think you need to win at least two within that sort of two to four year period. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I guess the last thing to talk about here in relation to this Bombers conversation is that they did have very good chances in both 99 and 2001 to actually win premierships, but they just weren't quite good enough, I suppose. So there's that infamous preliminary final against Carlson, they were heavily favoured in that game and came right down to the wire with a uh, Fraser Brown tackle ending uh, Essendon's run at that point. Uh, and I guess in 2001, it was a young Brisbane Lions side who they came up against in the grand final. And uh, yeah, they got the run on in the second half and ran all over them, really. And uh, that was where the famous line from Lee Matthews came from, wasn't it? If it bleeds, you yes. can kill it. Moment in time. Moment in time. So which which of those two would you say was Essendon's B 
better chance to have added to their premiership tally if you could if you had to choose one of those? Out of ninety nine and 01? Mm. Uh I think uh, I think it would have probably been mm, I th- I think it probably would have been ninety nine. Um they'd had some good games with North that year. I'm pretty sure they had a really good one at the MCG in around round 17 that year. That was that one where um, Wayne Carey kicked that ridiculous left footer on the boundary and then Matthew Lloyd oh, yeah. kicked that soccer goal. It just, yeah, that was incredible. But um, they seemed to have the answers for North at that time and I think they probably would have done it in the grand final. Uh, whereas yeah. Brisbane were just, Brisbane were just that that unknown commodity at the time. I mean, they'd been sort of building up their own sort of um, powerhouse for years and like really sort of dating back to about the mid-90s, they'd been getting the the nucleus of that team. And um, yeah, it was, it was really fitting, I think, when they won it. I don't think anyone said they didn't deserve it. So yeah. No, absolutely not. Um, I think in 2001, there were a few of the older Bombers players who'd probably just come off the level a little bit. Yep. Against most other grand finalists, they probably would have won. Oh, yeah. But yeah. as we know, Brisbane were a very good side, and I guess that was kind of the start of that dominant period for them where they made four grand finals in a row. But, uh, yeah, definitely deserved that win. So I would agree that 99 was probably the one that got away for Essendon. Yes, yes, yes. And I'm sure Carlton supporters will delight in that fact, uh, especially with how little success they've had over the ensuing 20 years. <laughs> um, fun fact, Dan, and this is, sorry, this is probably going to be a, bit of a waste of time, but can you remember who sung the national anthem in the 2000 grand final? <laughs> no, no, tell well, me. Up until now, I couldn't remember either, and if you'd asked me, I wouldn't have had a clue, but it, <laughs> I can't believe I'm actually saying this on the show, but um, do you remember Bachelor Girl? <laughs> They did a I song, think I do, yeah, yeah. They yeah. did a song called Buses and Trains in 1998, which was a top 10 hit. <laughs> and I can vaguely remember that song. And yes, they actually sung the national anthem that year. That's, uh, that seems very random, but very <laughs> AFL. Very <laughs> AFL. It was Idol before Idol. Absolutely. All right. Well, thanks for indulging me with that chat there, Johnny. It was interesting to wade through some of those different statements there and go back in time to a time where Melbourne was making grand finals even if they weren't winning them. That's it. That's it. And now it's really footy time. It's really footy time. Get out there, enjoy it, guys. And uh, again, thanks for listening. If you do have any questions or queries you want to raise on the show, email is footytimemail at gmail.com. Until next time, goodbye. (laughs) 